Welcome back to the well overdue but much anticipated, at least by us, second season of the Bleed Crimson and Blue podcast. I am Jason Carter uh, from Chicago, Illinois, here with my co-host, Garrett Hagis. What up? <laughs> uh, broadcasting out of Lawrence. And we are back here together to bring you all the best, all the hot topics, all the hot takes, all the, re- the reviews, everything about our passion, Kansas basketball, the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, um, yeah, so it's it's uh, for for everybody who was with us uh, for the first season, uh, you know, thanks for giving us this second chance being back here. We're ready to ready to bring it uh, bigger and better than ever. Uh, we're just super hyped. This is such a, a good season in front of us. And, uh, you know, for anybody new, welcome in. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit about ourselves in a second. Um, so as for today's episode, uh, we plan to start out the second season of the podcast by sneaking in a quick and dirty review and preview before tonight's highly anticipated Champions Classic featuring f- four of the nation's uh, top five teams. And that is until next week. Um, and then we'll start off with uh, an admittedly underrepresented uh, but quick review of the Jayhawks 2017-18 rotation and their big games thus far. Uh, we'll transition into something new for season two. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to we're going to run through a lightning round of all the hot topics in sports. Uh, you know we love all sports. We imagine the majority of you do too. Um, so uh, stick around and uh, we'll have some uh, we'll have some fun stuff to say there. But uh, you know getting back. Yeah. Yeah, um, just glad to be back. So uh, for the new listeners, I thought we'd do, you know, a quick review of who we are and what we're all about. I'll start with myself. I'm Jason Carter, currently living in Chicago, Illinois. I am a 2011 Kansas grad. I lived through the 2008 National Championship season. Along my uh, undergrad ride through KU, I met this guy, Garrett Hagis. Uh, we became great buddies. Uh, we've seen a lot, of, uh, a lot of the best games, a lot of heartbreaks, the tournament losses, uh, we've seen many of it together. Um, I think both of us have a background. Uh, I personally grew up with Kansas basketball. That's the short story. Um, I uh, had, just for an example, I had my first son uh, 10 months ago. And let's just say uh, he's named after the best, his middle name is named after the best uh, college basketball arena in the nation. So I think that tells <laughs> enough of the story about me. Uh, Garrett, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Hey, everyone. I'm Garrett Hagis. Uh, back and happy to join the podcast with my buddy, Jason. Uh, we met when we were freshmen in 2005 or 2006 at KU. I'm um, a two-time KU alum, and Jason and I storm mastery together in 2008 for the championship game. A lot of fun. A um, little fun fact about myself. Me and my sister were both in attendance at KU for the national championship, so we got to enjoy all of that experience, but we weren't the only one from our families. Uh, Gordon Hagis was a... 1979 Michigan State University graduate, so he got to see Magic Johnson lead Michigan State to a championship game as well. So I was actually not like Jason from a KU household. I was raised in a mixed household, half KU, half Michigan State, and I got a lot more exposure to Michigan State. Uh, So I did end up going to KU. I'm a two-time KU alum, so my primary allegiances are with KU. And um, this is a Bleed Crimson and Blue podcast. Uh, Just what I hope to bring to the table more this season is a wider look at college. And that's why Jason really brought me aboard was because he's, you know, just a blue blood uh, KU basketball fan his entire life. And then I can help supplement a little bit of uh, all of college basketball on top of that. So we're excited and we're uh, definitely excited for the Champions Classic tomorrow. I got both teams coming up back to back. And that's a preview we'll have for you uh, just a little bit later. Um, but let's get started off with some of the off-season news. Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, it's been a crazy off-season, and there's no way to boil it down. You know, you could make almost three episodes out of uh, everything that happened. So, but we're gonna hit uh, the the key highlights, uh, what they mean for this uh, season, uh, what are the most significant. And I think first and foremost, uh, the key uh, moment of the off-season to me that defines exactly where this team is going is the return of Devontae Graham and Svi Mikhailuk, um, and not to mention LeGerald Vick, who I think we also think had NBA prospects if he would have explored them. But uh, um, so, you know, this is following the loss of the National Player of the Year, you know, Frank Mason, uh, 
Jersey going up in the rafters, no question. Um, it's just amazing. Uh, Devontae Graham, I think, had some NBA prospects, but we get a senior po- a senior point guard who's played you know three years in the wings of of Frank Mason, while certainly establishing uh, plenty for himself. Uh, Svima Kailuk, they love to talk about how young he is. He's been a raw talent throughout his time as KU, only shown flashes of consistency, I think, through his career of the kind of shooter he could be, and has improved in defense as he goes. But now we get him. Uh, two seniors leading the team and uh, you know we've seen some of the white hot potential of LeGerald Vick particularly uh, towards tournament time last year Um, what are your thoughts on this I mean I think this is huge yeah it was something huge and I think that right now when we look at it uh, it's kind of going to be taken for granted pretty quickly you know we just kind of yeah this is what was supposed to happen but it's at that time back in May you know, this, these were things that we were talking about April and May, like, are, do we know for sure if this is what's going to happen after the tournament performance? Uh, there were some rumors floating around campus, um, you know, up by the student athlete centers that LeGerald was thinking about exploring his options. He was maybe looking even into a potential transfer if, if Svi stayed. And that was stuff that was kind of not fully out there. It was just kind of rumors around campus last year and last spring. And so that's something that we talked about a lot amongst our friends was, is this really going to happen? Does apparently Svee's impression was, or LeGerald's impression was that him and Svee fight for minutes. And so if Svee was going to stay and not go to the NBA, LeGerald would have a better NBA prospectus by going to a different school. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, and I'm anxious to hear what you think about that in just a moment. But then it worked out in just a nice sort of timing way to where Svee went ahead and declared for the draft, but he didn't sign an agent. So then LeGerald had some time to say, okay, well, I'm going to come back. I'm not going to transfer. And then Svee's, uh, I guess, combine or workouts or whatever didn't go to where he thought he could be drafted, so he decided to return as well. And it was a big production by amongst KU fans because – it was this anticipated information we we're waiting for, but I don't think it actually came about as easily or routine as we expected it to. I think there was a lot of um, if situations going on, and I don't know how you see it. Do you think LeGerald and Svee compete for minutes, and do you think that it was ever that close to an issue? Of, are, that, of someone leaving? No, these are really good questions. Um, I think um, I think. You know, I, I think it's worth noting this uh, newly modified, only a year in this NBA draft, uh, you know, uh, camp that they've added. They really only added a year ago. And I think this is, you know, what a year that we really benefited. I, th- I think people really in the know of, you know, how these young guys, you know, from especially in KU's past have had to make these decisions. I think you'd have to be happy with the idea of this camp and the way these guys finally get to make informed decisions. And look, we get a bunch of guys returning. I think LGV, uh, LeGerald Vick made a wide decision decision uh, not to leave. Um, I think Bill Self uh, is fascinatingly translating from a guy who is known who could get forwards into the NBA to having quite a run of success with guards and maybe mm-hmm. almost even more so in what he's currently doing. Um, you know, it's uh, these guys, I think, made a wide decision to stay at KU. No matter where you leave, you're going to waste time with a red shirt. Um, right. There, sure, there could be minutes competition, but you're going to be on the national stage uh, every week of the season. Um, particularly in tournament time, get exposure, and you're coming from, yeah, just a top pedigree program. So I just want to make the comment that isn't it crazy that I think you look at in, in our you know time of KU basketball viewing, you look at last year and with the National Player of the Year candidate point guard, you know maybe one of the best guard backcourts uh, we've ever had. And then of course we're mm-hmm. spoiled with you know in comparisons to 08, we won't get into that. But I will say I won't right. say this is better. You know how do you get better when the National Player of the Year loses? But bring in Malik Newman, who we'll talk about a little bit later. On top of these experienced guards, I mean it might be near the equal. It's just amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree. It could even be a potentially uh, better backcourt and definitely in terms of depth, you know, talented, experienced depth, um, you know, were the same or better as last year. And so that kind of leads into, you know, a lot of our um, additions and departures. Yeah, we'll, like, we'll, we'll talk what's, more what's... about uh, about that in a little bit of the season preview. But sorry, uh, lead us lead us through in the uh, departures. Yeah, it's been a crazy offseason there. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think too many KU students and fans were that depressed when Carlton Bragg de- decided to depart the team. Um, but one thing, you know, he went to Arizona State, but conversely, I was a little bit sad to see Dwight Colby go. He was a really good personality fan favorite, and he's going to be transferring to Western Kentucky. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that was kind of like a for-the-team move. Is that kind of true? Uh, That might be Um. Uh, I sort of forget the details on that. You know what I wanted to make a quick comment on, though? Carlton Bragg, uh-huh. If you did you catch the recent note that he's stepped away from Arizona State basketball? It's a little bit vague <laughs> because he was redshirting already, but no, seriously, for personal reasons. So, I don't know. I just huh. we, we, we had a lot to hash out last season, late in the season, in the tournament. It was such a weird... It, it was a surprisingly tumultuous guy for who a guy who we had such high expectations, particularly at the start of last year, and Hopefully this guy can get his life right. Uh, he probably, I, it seems like he's a guy that, uh, um, you know, he, he, that that's the story. He stepped away from Arizona State basketball. Seems like, you know, he needs to refocus on himself before he comes back. He's got the red shirt off. But uh, I think he was just a guy who just didn't work. And it frankly didn't, you know, the team could have used a good version of him last year, but it didn't derail us. So that was a mm-hmm. weird departure. Dwight Colby, I'm also with you continuing that. A guy who, who showed some some steadiness that maybe this team will want in the front court, but unfortunately uh, we couldn't keep him around. Mm-hmm. Yep. But moving... And then we also... Oh, yeah. Then we also lost a couple of guys to the NBA. Uh, Josh Jackson ended up leaving KU early, ended up getting drafted fourth to the Suns. Uh, he did skip the Celtics workout. You know a little bit more about the NBA offseason and the workouts yeah, uh, no, I, along I just, with that. Just uh, it, it it was fun and strange drama. Um, you know the Celtics are looking really good right now. You get into the NBA. I think we might talk a little NBA in our lightning round, but uh, uh, it was it, I would say this was a successful draft for KU. You get marquee players. First, Josh Jackson. Fourth, uh, Celtics would have been a nice pick, but there was some attitude and some posturing going around. He skipped the Celtics workout almost like in the last day before, and they end up going for Jason Tatum. I mean, all these guys were like. I don't think it was too controversial, but the Phoenix Suns get him. Uh, so we'll see. I, I don't know what would have been the better situation. It might have been hard to find minutes on a you know a successful team where the Suns, who are struggling, uh, he'll find a lot of minutes. Frank Mason at 34 to the Kings, you know, that was a pleasant surprise. I think he mm-hmm. was the first national player of the year, maybe to not be selected in the first round. But times are changing. I don't think there was any surprise. I think this was actually considered a good pick where some people mm-hmm. had him at the fringe end, end of the draft where many times we've seen guys go undrafted so he gets a chance to go deep back up for the Kings uh, they picked uh, Deer and Fox from Kentucky ahead of him so it'll be interesting and hopefully he can find a spot for his career some swapping of positions uh, Ben McElmore joins Wayne Selden and Mario Chalmers in Memphis although I think he got an early season uh, injury all these guys um are probably at a crucial point to see if their career uh, can continue. Chalmers has been a pretty successful vet, but coming off an ACL tear, it'll be interesting. And then just the last mm-hmm. thing I wanted, well, uh, two more things. Um, a big year for contract extensions. I mean, this is, you know, some in some way this is related to KU, and uh, in some ways, you know, this uh, is indicative of successful things Bill Self's able to do. So Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid both uh, cash in on this. Uh, you know, that's a whole separate story. You you know, with the NBA, the huge contract extensions. And here you have two guys, uh, you know, getting paid probably the highest, con- certainly the highest contracts ever awarded uh, to a KU player at such a young age. So hopefully they can mm-hmm. live up to that. And, uh, you know, it'll just speak well to what Bill Self is able to turn around with his uh, contracts. And then lastly, and, you know, I uh, can't say enough, you know, the legend, Paul Pierce, you know, uh, He's retired. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's sad to see him go. Gosh, you know, uh, of of the last two decades of KU, uh, there's been some uh, certainly some draft disappointments with some high talent guys, but Paul Pierce is uh, a legend and certainly a Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, certainly. I remember growing up, that was probably the team that the starting five that you and I remember as being just as powerful as what we were able to see in person in '08. You know, I didn't forget it for a second. Pierce, LaFrance, Pollard, Jacques Vaughn, Jared Haas. You know that. Those five right there are a staple from my childhood that led to the love of this game. So, you know, it's uh, it's great to see Paul Pierce finish out a very long and, and successful career. 
So, so why don't you him. take us into some of the additions uh, elsewise? Now, most of these additions apply to 2018, a very interesting offseason for what's to come next year. But uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, there were some 2018 uh, recruits um, that we have listed that was offseason news. You know, we get, um, you know, a few rivals top 35, 35 players. And but then one thing that I'm more interested in is our addition for this year because we didn't talk too much about it last season. And we what happened was we got a transfer to KU from Arizona State and Sam Cunliffe, uh, a six foot six guard, and he announced his transfer over the winter break of of last year from Arizona State. So he we got that news in about January, and I don't think you and I mentioned that when it came about last last winter. So the reason why I'm really interested in this is Sam will be eligible to play for the Jayhawks following the fall semester. So that would mean, I believe, these December games more like a Brandon Rush-type situation um, where he begins his eligibility then. And the reason why I'm excited about him is because I think that this this guy has a pretty high ceiling. And the, the way that he played at Arizona State in a limited sample size, granted, it was limited sample size, um, I think that the ceiling is very high. So this Sam Cunliffe started all 10 games he played at Arizona State last year as a freshman until he decided to transfer. And he averaged 9.5 points per game and 4.5 rebounds. Um, so nothing special, but as a freshman, I think as a freshman guard especially, I think those are very significant numbers. It's not too easy and you're not too ready to shoot uh, right out the gate freshman year. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about what Arizona State's team dynamic was like to where he was able to get this sort of uh, kind of high freshman scoring. But um, one thing that did occur was he averaged 40.5% from three-point range. Bill Self is pretty high on him as a shooter, and I'm excited about that. You know, we're going to be able to really spread the floor with this team. We know what we're getting in Svi. We know what we're getting in LeGerald. We kind of are, you know, we're, we're learning about what we're going to get from Malik Newman and especially Devontae Graham. These are guys we know. But Sam Cunliffe is going to be this guy that's going to hopefully be able to get plenty of open looks with all these other weapons that we have on the floor. And so I'm excited for this edition. Uh, granted, it won't be for another a little over a month, but uh, that's the person that I'm looking forward to from, from the edition. Uh, side. That'll be really interesting to see uh, how he can play catch up. Yeah, after mm -hmm. uh, you know these big games, including tomorrow's matchup, which we'll talk about, we'll get a little bit more into uh, um, a season preview. Yeah, just to finish some of the off-season stuff. Uh, I mean, it's just um, I think 2018 next year, not the 20 uh, second half of this year. Part, right. But yeah. it's pretty mm -hmm. fascinating how we're so set up in a way that I can't remember previously with these redshirt transfers. So whatever happens. We're looking at a you know a top year you know barring uh, catastrophe. Um, I think we're looking at another you know number two seed number one seed year without question. Mm -hmm. We're starting you know rank that with all our senior leadership. But anyway, barring whatever happens next year, twin redshirt twin redshirt power forwards Diedrich and KJ Lawson from Memphis, very established players. I mean Diedrich 19 and 10 in his sophomore season couldn't work it out with Tubby Smith. They got out of there. They're coming to KU. I mean you can't help but think of the Morris twins it's I'm sure I'm sure there are differences and I don't know I don't know much tape on them but you you have this established front court coming in Charlie Moore uh, from Cal an established point guard 12 points per game at Cal both these guys got to play in the offseason Italy trip tour of Italy you know this team gets a taste of each other and so you have you know three experienced players coming to and then again self has already started um, the recruiting class off fine no top 10 guys yet um, but that's just they don't announce yet, but we have a point guard, Devin Dotson, power forward, Silvio D'Souza, and a center, David McCormick. I mean, you know, it's just another uh, logjam of talent. 2018, mm -hmm. 2019 will be very exciting. Um, yeah. To move quickly, uh, so... We went through the tour of Italy. Um, I think the main thing to say about that is that uh, this team uh, gets uh, more valuable practice reps. Guys like Yudoka Azubuke, who miss all of last season, they get real game experience. This is pretty invaluable stuff for a guy who we're going to need to play like a vet right away. So we move on from there. Then the big shocker, just a few weeks ago, um, KU... Uh, in a noble deed, agrees to you know cross the divide and play an uncounted for unplanned exhibition game with Mizzou in support of Hurricane Relief and Sprint Center. Uh, you know this was really hastily planned. I don't think many people I know got tickets. If you did, it oh, yeah, was probably no fun. They came up with a forty dollar pay per view option. Um, so. 
I didn't catch the game, full disclosure. Okay, <laughs> so, you know, they didn't even report the stats on ESPN, but I read everything I could about it. KU pulls away with a 93-87 win. Uh, Mizzou is obviously a fully rebuilt team from the trash of the last four years, highlighted <laughs> the by the number fire. one recruit in the nation, <laughs> yeah, who left uh, Washington's sinking ship, and Michael Porter, and I guess he was good. Devontae was very good. I think I had about 25 points. Um, good stats from Udoka and Malik Newman, and KU comes out with the win uh no plans for playing mizzou in the future any thoughts on that garrett yeah um first off if washington was a sinking ship what were they the last couple years before that (laughs) when they would get like nine wins (laughs) and still have an nba bound player oh yeah but anyway yeah uh just the, the whole mizzou experience i thought it was a really great phenomenal idea uh, to, to for KU and Mizzou to play again, the old emotions. I remember in the days coming up to the game, just thinking about, I was looking to try to go, obviously, because I'm still around Lawrence, Kansas City area. I think every single alumni was looking to go, you know, that watches college basketball. So it wasn't like um, tickets were going to be that readily available. I tried to sneak in because I'm only a year removed from being a student. And uh, back in 2012, I think it was, I donated to the Williams Fund and tried to get season tickets. So I was hoping to kind of sneak in there as a former donor. It didn't work out. And so, you know, obviously everything sold out before it even went on sale to the general public. So students and season ticket holders got tickets. But the $40 pay-per-view option was something they really could have done a better job on. I don't think anyone had a reliable stream. So even though I watched it with a friend in town and we we did do the pay-per-view option, it was very hard to even watch the game. So we kind of saw the scores, but it would last every couple of seconds and I everyone I talked to I think had the same experience so I hope they continue this I definitely know that they're going to get plenty of revenue off of it I would just like to see the pay-per-view option improve so that way we can actually comment something useful on that on that game we know the stat lines and and things like that and it was kind of at first KU struggled at first but I think that really was because V and LeGerald were struggling to score uh, Devante had a solid game um, but yeah, it was kind of just watching it as best you could if you didn't get to be there. Yeah, I'd say my final thoughts are, yeah, I, I, I admit mixed emotions about them crossing this divide of Mizzou, who, as far as I'm concerned, they could leave behind forever. But okay, they mm-hmm. do it for a good cause. Um, you know, if they go forward with this, I just, as far as I can say, do it as big as possible. Do it in Chief Stadium. There's my hot take. Seriously. Oh, yeah, think, for sure. I agree. Know, you bottle this I, up I'm in Sprint Center, and you uh-huh. want to do it for a, a good cause, but you know there's some scalping and money that the charities will never see. It's just, I, I don't I don't know the exact details. I wasn't around the area, but so I don't know if that's such a hot take. I think they could sell out Chief Stadium. I think a, a, enough people. Something just so really off, off, right? Like something, something. Dude, it, if they could sell out the Chief stadium when we played mizzou and football you know back when then they could sell it out for for basketball i mean just quantitatively you know that ku traditionally has more uh basketball fans than football fans i'm totally with you on that one that's a thought that that we haven't talked about between the two of us but i completely agree they could totally sell out arrowhead and do it there do it when it's kind of warm and it would be Awesome. The passion, awesome. the passion's clear. They established that, and they could help out some really good causes. So that'll be the one thing that'll thaw my icy heart for Mizzou. But uh, think bigger. Yeah, don't don't settle for Sprint Center and you know losing a bunch of money to scalpers. But um, yeah, I, I don't think I would bet they didn't lose very much to scalpers, except for people who were just kind of really being weird about their purchases because they got out before the general public on sale. So it'd have to be somebody that's a season ticket holder. Uh, that's, I mean, I guess students that were, would, you know, look to, to sell those could make a pretty penny for their rent and I wouldn't be too upset at them, but I don't think the traditional scalpers to the general public were able to get their hands on these at all. Otherwise they'd have to make a pretty sizable donation to each school, I think. Okay, sure. All right. And then what's been the game in between? Finally, our first official game. And this was uh, Friday versus Tennessee State. And really, you know, it was a runaway win. Um, I think the two stories are the team after exhibitions and all this uh, looked very cohesive and and ready to Mm -hmm. roll. And I think maybe just some of the uh, inner melodrama makes for some interesting conversation. Billy Preston, the young guy, hot talent and big recruit is sidelined because he missed curfew. And I believe believe he maybe missed the next practice or something 
I read hmm. I read there were two things, but you know it's an interesting thing. Um, you know KU's got to be a, a a little burnt. We were talking about this off air. I I, I think last season was uh, the the most catastrophic in terms of off-season drama. And we still came out all right. Number one seed late into the tournament. We wish it would have gone later. I don't think anybody would claim necessarily the drama had any effect on what happened in the tournament. But, uh, you know, uh, suspensions of Carlton Bragg. It was a, you know, uh, all this was something KU doesn't even want to mess with. Josh Jackson stuff. So, you see something early. You know, a guy new to campus and what's going on. I Bill Self, you know, playing tough on him. But uh, he's going to, still, Billy Preston's going to have to get on the court and hopefully he's learned his lesson early because yeah we're we're gonna need front court help i think we'll hit that in the preview yeah i I do agree that i i think that all of us commenting on the game on friday uh were saying that we thought that was good we didn't see that as a bad thing bill self being you know quickly harsh on a player especially with these off-season scandals you know we'll get to in a moment and then the scandals that we had internally last season uh, I think the fans are, are on Bill's side here and that it's not going to hurt anything to be tough on the young guy right away. And yeah, so why not? Why not try to put last season behind us and just not let that sort of stuff happen again to that level? You know, we know kids are going to get in trouble. Uh, we're not going to try to judge them too hard for it. But uh, yeah, th- th- hopefully he learns from it. You know, hopefully this isn't something that continues throughout the season. We'll definitely keep an eye on it. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, before we get into the season preview and finish up uh, with the championships classics preview, uh, we're going to start uh, a new segment here. I'm excited about, we're going to break mm-hmm. this up a little bit. We're going to fly through just some recent sports things. Uh, so if you're hell bent on hearing KU stuff, uh, hit your 15 second button uh, a little while or, or, or give us a few minutes. But uh, mm-hmm. so first, what I wanted to say is, uh, you know, this section, the lightning round, it's sponsored by blue apron so blue apron is a, no i'm just kidding man i always wanted to do that you know, that's the luxury yeah, of no. a podcast uh, maybe what i was thinking is i will sell that quick clip this is just totally off script i will sell that to blue apron we'll see if we can pull in a sponsor like hey look how good yeah is. yeah but send that to blue apron and some nice packaging okay something. sorry bad, bad joke i am a new dad i'm learning the dad jokes that's a dad bad dad podcast joke maybe uh the fake or a good dad joke uh, oh thanks i buddy. liked it thanks yeah yeah i liked it hey All why right, don't you, so... you you organize this why don't you lead us off uh how you want this okay to yeah uh so th- you know this is our first lightning round for this season too i'm really excited about it as well i think it's a nice chance for jason and i to flex our all sports muscle we're not just college basketball buffs we'd like to keep up with current events uh so this first round or this year our first episode it's going to be kind of more all off season but since we hope to do one to two podcasts a week we'll try to keep up with current events and sports so as a first of all yeah yeah we'll, we'll be able to keep it fresh each week and try to give you guys some of our personality side through our opinions trying to be more opinionated in this section uh, across all sports because you know we love KU basketball so first off there was Obviously, the Adidas scandal broke, I believe, last month. It was just last month. Yeah. Um, I kind of read a different aspect of that. I got more into how Rick Pitino was affected and the AD. I don't know as much about the overall story. Um, Jason, if you want to kind of talk about that real quick and then give some of your opinions, and then I'll kind of follow up with where I'd like to see this go. I'll say what I know. Uh, it's not everything. I know this rocked the college landscape. I mean, I think this is a reminder that uh, at the broadest sense of the top that there we know there's big money. Um, I'm always wary of getting too onto any high horse, uh, never, you know, assuming, oh, KU is some, necessarily has some pristine thing. You know, you know, yeah, oh, okay, look at X school doing up to bad behavior. We knew it. They're a dirty program. Always best to just, you know, not get on your high horse there. You never know what's going on. I think for these coaches, they're like CEOs. I think they're managing a wide-ranging ship. I think some, and I think Patino knew what was going on and the evidence is showing and some there's probably some slippery things going on all under you in the fierce competition with so much money on the line to get these guys but it's rocked the college landscape Mm -hmm. um and you know arizona is i think the main story to note because this is me this is a potentially a number one seed you know recruit program a, a program that's been trying to build back from some glory years forever and then to have this and i don't think the jury's out on maybe what their consequences consequences could be so could you imagine being in their position hard not to yeah but yeah um, yeah give me your take yeah i can't believe that uh rick patino continues to say these 
you know, oh, I'm so flabbergasted by this. I have no idea. And and I'm really interested when I look at these situations about the language that they use, you know, because the things that they say, if they have to go before some sort of committee or some sort of hearing or whatever, these comments are going to be, are they're published, you know, they're written in stone. So they have to say these sort of things in a way that is going to clear them legally, but also kind of gives them some room. So when Rick Pitino says something like, oh, I had no idea about this incident, he could be telling the truth. But that's, there's a big difference between saying, I have no idea about this incident and, you know, going to your coaching staff or the people that you hire and say, hey, guys, you know, we're still like running a good program, right? We're on the same page here. We're running a good, clean program. <laughs> What's so hard about that? So I think that Rick Pitino for sure has overseen, you know, we, we saw that they were getting in trouble a few years ago. They've had to get NCAA tournament bans. I I know that the what is it the death penalty is so rare in in sports let alone college basketball over college football but do you think that's a possibility here with louisville just going through another major controversy i great question um the prostitute controversy in the past i i don't i hadn't heard anybody hinting death penalty that'd be quite over the top i mean they you know this causes the athletic career a hall of fame coach you know before Mm. um so i don't think quite that but i think it's a reminder yeah it's a little bit you're even you're you're more than understating it when you say these coaches should be asking politely it's a reminder that these guys these institutional guys i mean you know they have so much good stuff on the line when you have an established program bringing it back to KU I mean it's a program that can do a lot of things that can recruit in itself and self has to be vigilant you know I'm sure he is but vigilant with his assistants that like don't even hint at impropriety because nowadays they're looking closer than ever and it's just not worth it. It's you know you know Louisville's came down to a, a, a top sounding recruit, but not not top ten. This Bruce Bowen guy, and you know just to bring one guy, and we see we see in cases like Carlton Bragg. I mean, frankly, these are like compared guys who you, you're you're putting you're risking everything with your program on say one recruit in the case of Louisville and you don't even know what recruits can become and so you know you just uh you can bet a million dollars that uh, all their fans uh wish that uh they would have just stayed uh some kind of more conservative course because uh yeah their um you know their their dreams are going to be dashed for a while yeah yeah it's true they're they're really influenced in in these sort of ways and then you know you also have oklahoma state auburn usc these other teams it's it's not too surprising when you have a team that's perennially mediocre at best land a huge recruit then you find out that there's some sketchy business going on so that wasn't too surprising but arizona and sean miller that's something that i'm really interested in uh, throughout this season and something we'll probably probably follow up on and touch upon is is how this develops with arizona because arizona is ranked number three right now they are a favorite to go to the final four uh, overwhelming by analysts uh, supposed to be Sean Miller's first trip to the final four because he's notorious for not getting there as one of the top programs and coaches in basketball so how this plays out throughout the year if there are any suspensions handed down if Sean Miller's cast into the light I'm kind of surprised that that is kind of underdeveloped at this point um, so I don't know what's going on. I'm hoping to read into that and see how that develops. But Arizona, that could really hurt them and hurt their season quite a bit because they are projected to be a Final Four team. So we'll see how that how that develops and shakes out and, and follow up in the future. But that is really the big offseason story. So hopefully these next topics go a little quicker. We we went pretty into depth. This is a college, basketball, one, that's college podcast. basketball. This is a college yeah. basketball podcast. That was that was worth hitting. Well, I mean that's a looming yeah. specter. Okay, let's fly through some other stuff. So uh, okay. Houston Astros win the World Series. Uh, we're Royals fans here. Um, you know uh, the Royals are a separate conversation. That uh, they're looking at a massive rebuild after great success for a while. But Houston beats uh, L.A. Dodgers in a you know a pretty thrilling series. I think uh, all throughout. And uh, I'd say my quick take was teams that are being built the right way are having pretty good success in baseball the last couple years kind of promising you know for us you know who grew up in the Yankees years kind of thing the big money era doesn't necessarily seem like it's uh you know um I I don't know if it's fully over but uh I like what we're seeing 
Yeah, I really agree. I'm pleased with seeing a team like the Astros win in a way. And, you know, the Cubs the year before that, even though the Cubs have the potential to be a big market team and Houston has the potential to be a big market team, they didn't build those squads that way. They built them like small market teams, put them through a, you know, a farm system, built up their draft picks from being really bad for several years. So that's actually a good sign for the Royals. So even though the Royals finished the season, you know, fighting to be above 500 or be around 500, uh, you know, we're going to lose some guys. Uh, but that sets us up to rebuild once again. And if you're a Royals fan that's, you know, came around just right after their last, you know, championship in 1985 and got to see this build, you're kind of okay with that because you're used to watching the Royals take a long time to win something great, but it was made it that much sweeter. Uh, so I'm okay with that. Uh, Houston winning. Um, next season, not too much different. The Dodgers instantly came out as Westgate's uh, favorites to win next year, but they're followed by Houston. It doesn't look like there's going to be a whole lot of change except the Royals getting worse <laughs> for next year. <laughs> what, what do you see the Royals being like next year? Um, I, I, I want to see uh, what happens in free agency. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to speculate that, I, I, I admit, but uh, interesting who they're going to be able to keep around. Um, Any bold but, predictions before we move on to NBA? Uh, I am not the strongest baseball guy. You got any yourself? <laughs> I admit. Um, I would bet that. Well, we know you know Boris though. You're a strong. You know Boris. He's got Hosmer and he's got Moose. So, what are the odds that a Boris guy sticks around Kansas City? I would hope. Probably pretty low. <laughs> we'll find out. All right, so in the NBA, uh, the offseason was pretty crazy, mostly with news from the East. The West is still going to be good. Well, remember, um, uh, well, don't undersell the West. <laughs> Basically, I mean, the NBA, this might have been the craziest offseason ever, but the short story, huge contracts, a huge shift of talents to the West. I mean, it, uh, Jimmy Butler leaving, Paul George traded. Uh, gosh, I, you know... Um, leaving seemingly only Boston and Cleveland late in the offseason after all these contracts are signed, the crazy trade demand by Kyrie Irving, uh, sending him to Boston. I mean, you know, Boston had their picks in the draft, and then they end up making them for Tatum. They trade away Isaiah Thomas. I mean, a truly crazy, not to mention then we start in the catastrophic Gordon Hayward injury, and still Boston's looking good. But, um, I mean, that's, I, I think, just worth noting that the shift of power, all this, um, still very early. Chris Paul, to, gosh, Chris Paul, uh, you know, he was in the West, but, yeah, he, he moves to the Rockets. The power team's forming left and right. The Warriors just as strong as ever. I don't know. Uh, it still seems like the, we, we know the Warriors are probably going to run through right to the finals. And uh, uh, bot- The Thunder? Thunder also becoming a super team, potentially? The, yeah, and can they get it together to make a legit? push against this established Warriors thing. I mean, I think that's going to be one of the main stories out West and then out East. Uh, uh, Cleveland is at a horrible start and they're waiting till December for Isaiah Thomas. Boston loses uh, one of their big money stars, Gordon Hayward. And yet still they've, as of today, we're on a 12 game win streak. So it looks like it's hard to not see Boston Cleveland meeting in the East East finals. And then can anybody beat the Warriors? I don't know. Any extra thoughts for you? Yeah, it is hard to see uh, Cleveland and Boston not meeting. You know, after Gordon Hayward goes down, you think, oh, no, there's Boston season uh, championship run. But they seem to be, you know, doing better than anyone else. And almost, in a way, Ainge did some crazy stuff this offseason. We thought, well, is he a genius or not? Or is he just crazy? And I don't really know yet because (laughs) Gordon Hayward goes down. Kyrie sits out the other night and they still continue their streak. So maybe Ainge is a genius for getting Brad Stevens on board, and Brad Stevens is the real secret recipe of their success. I don't know. But uh, in the East, I really like to see the 76ers start to emerge. Sure. Um, Yeah, you know, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons is looking crazy good over there. So um, out of the East, I kind of like the 76ers to maybe make a push, and maybe we won't see Cleveland get back. That would be my bold prediction is that Cleveland does not get to an NBA Finals. Sure. An, an old team. Uh, a lot at this point. LeBron, uh, the MVP, still, uh, I think, can certainly merit the argument of is he the best player 
He's earned mm-hmm. that right to be in that argument. But uh, frankly, what's around him, you know, stars of yesteryear, Dwayne Wade, Derek Rose, really, you know, and uh, will Isaiah mm-hmm. Thomas, you know, uh, will coming so late in the season off a huge injury himself, will he be able to gel with them? I, I, I see that as a very interesting development. Will they even get yeah. past the younger teams? LeBron seems super tired. You know, I don't know how don't much blame him. he's working out in the yeah, me neither. I don't know how much he's able to keep up in shape in the off season and during the season he's just, you know, getting so many minutes and then he looks tired in the finals now. You know, he looked tired in the finals last year. So I just I don't know. Maybe we've seen the best of LeBron and he's on his way out. I would wager that Kevin Durant could beat him one on one at at this point in their careers at this precise age. And so would that mean that LeBron's still the best in the world? I don't know. But uh, speaking of off-season and getting out of shape, how about this NFL season? There's been a high number of off-season injuries and potentially the worst fantasy in NFL season in a while. What do you think? It's definitely the, the one that I can remember. I mean, I think that's I, – I think for any uh, season fantasy players like we are, I mean, I think that's a pretty consistent view. It's just it's uh, – uh, I mean, you, you, you like to see teams uh, that previously, you know, uh, didn't succeed get better. We're seeing a lot of that. Wow, the L.A. Rams and, and Jared Goff and the team that sucked last year with uh, – oh, God, Jeff Fisher are, are now, you know, uh, one of the toasts of the NFL. Philadelphia Eagles looking great. So you have some stories like that, but – yeah, just some major stars lost all over. Fantasy-wise, I mean, David Johnson, maybe the top pick in most leagues, lost right away, crushing. Um, uh, defenders, J.J. Watts gone, uh, Richard Sherman, uh, you know, left and right. Uh, um, gosh, Eric Berry. Eric Berry for the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, so just just some huge stars. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., of course. Yeah, uh, these are just some of the top guys. And then just a weird, just a weird developing year. People talk about you know weird uh, everything from off season stuff to they don't get the reps. But yeah, inconsistent play across the league. Um, the Chiefs uh, had a, a very hot start, as has been consistent nicely under the last couple years of Andy Reid, but uh, have faltered the last couple weeks, um, and their defense is playing extremely poorly. And um, while Alex Smith was having a career year, continues to, um, is, you know, he has his limits. And if the defense is giving up over 20, 25 points a game, you know, can he hold it together? What are your thoughts on the NFL? It's it's kind of just uh, been kind of crazy so far. The NFL, I've been interested so far this season in kind of the Eastern um, Conference. Am I saying that right? <laughs> in the East, East like the, the NFC, the, the NFC, NFC. There we go. Which is I'm like on the, the guys west, out of the East, east yeah. area. But okay. no, yeah, the NFC. Because okay. I've been interested in um, the NFC East. That's where I'm going with. East. So some of the more Eastern teams. So. Gosh, dude, I might be wrong on that too. So the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles are they the east or the north? No, like Dallas I, on the you know up? Dallas on the east coast. You know, the top <laughs> NFC East team. The New York Giants have had their season tank, but the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles only have one loss, and the Chiefs were the team to beat them. And I don't really know where that puts the Chiefs and where the Chiefs are going to end up, or if that means that the Chiefs are going to play the Eagles in the Super Bowl. It's just a big question mark to me. I think the AFC seems like the top dogs are kind of weaker this year in the Patriots and the Steelers. And I can't tell who's going to emerge out of the NFC. We've got the Eagles up top. The Rams are looking good. I'm kind of just rooting for the Rams to go to a Super Bowl at this point. I That's- think... And the Chiefs. <laughs> my, I think my last comment on the NFL that I want to make is expectations for the Chiefs going forward. And I don't know if this is considered bold for the Chiefs. They've they've beat Philadelphia. They've beat New England. They've looked like one of the best teams in the NFL um, some weeks. And then their losses have not been that disappointing, but they're showing some inconsistent play. And uh, I think some of the lingering questions, even over these great years of, you know, can this, you know, wide-ranging um, Andy Reid offense, you know that does a lot of trickery is it something that can be sustained you know week to week and late in December can our defense recover I think if the Chiefs don't get to the AFC championship game I think this season's a disappointment do you think that's too bold of a statement no I I would agree I think the way they started out they're showing that they could be the best team in the NFL and so what's keeping them from being the best team in the NFL is it it's probably most likely the our coaching style and the way that uh, the plays are called because we can see them 
look like the best team in the NFL and we could see them look weak. And I think that a lot of that has to do with play calling. Uh, granted, it would be nice to have some of our injured players back to be that best team because our defense is supposed to be what takes us there and it hasn't been. Uh, you know, losing Eric Berry, missing Tamba Ali. Uh, it's It's been a tough year, but I do agree. And I think that kind of if we don't show better than what we did last year, then we could potentially see some changes because I do agree it'd be a letdown, and I think a lot of Kansas City would think so too. I think I just think that um, I'm a longtime Chiefs fan. There's no question there. I don't say that in a hot takey way, uh, but I say it uh, realistic to what I know about the NFL. Windows close. Just ask many teams who were, you know, the toast of the NFL. Arizona Cardinals situations change players age the quarterback who was such a rock you know gets hurt these are you know just generic statements but the Chiefs can't be counting on you know the healthy year next year even with the big injuries I think that uh, you have to find a way uh, to get through um, uh, or your windows close on you and uh, I think uh, you know um, while the Chiefs have a lot of even young talent uh, um, things change quick so that's that's why I make that that mm, statement um, i agree all right I man agree. that was fun yeah that was a nice uh, shift but uh, let's get back to why we're here and let's uh let's let's get on a great home stretch so we're gonna finish uh with a discussion of the 2017-2018 jayhawks lineup and i think this fits nicely we'll talk a little bit of the big 12 teams and then our huge matchup tomorrow versus kentucky um so jumping right into it uh you know this is uh, a team uh, that is loaded with a certain levels of experience and then i think our where we're weak is a little obvious my initial take i think it's obvious that we have another loaded front court with experience the guys we named before Devonte graham sview mikhailuk and legerald vick and i think what's going to be interesting and we're going to have to see a lot of development this year will be our front court um and you know led by yudoka Zabuke, almost a redshirt freshman Billy Preston, um, you know, uh, I think we're going to see uh, Mitch Lightfoot is actually becomes a guy with experience and he'll probably play some tough minutes. Oh, and don't let me forget Malik Newman, uh, you know, playing in his second year in college, an extremely high talent guard talking about our, 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 our loaded uh, backcourt. Um, so, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? Anybody I missed? Um, no, I've just uh, kind of going along with what you said. I've always been kind of really looking forward to seeing Yudoka develop. I thought last year was cut short early. I think his contribution having him uh, last spring would have, you know, just been great to have him all year. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing him develop and seeing what we can get out of uh, Billy Preston as well down low. So I'm on the same page as you there. One thing I'm really looking forward to seeing or hoping for is that Svi and LeGerald can get over this little hump and become kind of what Devontae's been the last two years preceding this for Frank. You know, can they sort of step up to that level? Because when you look at the team last year, we had Frank, and he's just like the number one guy uh, on a pedestal, and deservedly so, above everyone else. And Devontae's saying, okay, well, I'm going to be your right-hand dude. I'm going to kind of take a little step back this season because you're our primary scorer. And that was great. And so then you have this next tier where Svi and LeGerald are kind of even a step below that. So can they all elevate at the same time and make that transition smoothly? As, and the hope there from my end and the it's from the backcourt sense is thinking, okay, well, if Devante has a, a bad game, will Svi and LeGerald have the, I guess, assertiveness at this point? We know they have the maturity because they've been there this number of years and played with these great leaders above them but do they have the assertiveness to step up and help the team win if Devonte, let's say he scores 14 points and shoots like 25 percent from the field is are these guys going to be able to help ku win you know score 85 80 plus points or so and and get the victory what do you think do you think they're going to be able to transition into their roles and be the new Devontes, new the new right hand people that step up because so far um we haven't really had a good sample to see that yet. And that Missouri game didn't really bode well for that outlook. I think there's a strong possibility that they can. Yeah. No, no replacing the assertiveness, the offensive manufacturing quite like uh, a Frank Mason. Uh, but we've got the tools. Let's not forget Malik Newman. I mean, a right. top 15 rivals guy of his class took a big year off. He, he, him and Devante are the two guys put on the Naismith watch list. So, you know, the nation recognizes what he could do could easily, 
easily I, I he could potentially lead the team in scoring uh he has that kind of talent so you have that there I think that focuses on a little bit I want to ask the question about the front court you know um does Billy Preston does he have what he has high talent and nice size but does he have what it take what it takes to become a guy who warrants a starting position or will Bill Self be tempted early to revert to the four guide four guard lineup that wasn't perfect last year but you know was a huge switch for him and found some success I bet the temptation will be there Billy Preston you know he's going to have pressure he will not just be given you know a freshman power forward is asked to do a lot in the KU uh, lineup not to mention you know uh, Udoka Udoka is going to have a lot of pressure I think night in, night out, he's going to outsize most uh, even Big 12 opponents. But he's going to be, if I were coaching against KU, foul, fouling out Yudoka, redu- removing right. any hint of a size advantage would be how I would start probably most any game plan, you know? Yep, yep, I agreed. Um, so we don't really want to get that information out for all of the other team's coaches that are listening to this podcast. <laughs> But you're, you're exactly right. I, I really think that that's going to be more than just a temptation and that that's going to be the reality of what we're seeing. You know, unless Billy Preston can step up and start giving the sort of, you know, quality. We saw Carlton Bragg bring in some quality in the minutes that he had his first freshman year. Uh, I mean, his first year as a freshman. He was able to come in and get quality minutes, look pretty flashy and good, and he really regressed for his sophomore year. Hopefully Billy Preston is able to come in and get some quality minutes, score some points, have some good-looking shots, not mess up on defense. Otherwise, yeah, we're going to see a lot of these four-guard lineups because we could get Svi and LeGerald in there who are both – more of a three. LeGerald can really stretch because his his wingspan is really good and his athleticism at getting boards is really good. So we could see lines with Sfi, LeGerald, Malik, and Devante with Yudoka inside because having that little bit taller presence, you know, the seven foot sort of presence inside, they don't have to move around a whole lot and he can just be told to play in his feet all game and let our guards just wear the other team out and score, score, score. I'm actually kind of excited for that sort of lineup. Um, if you think that that's, you know, what we're talking about, is that going to be the sort of lineups we go with? Cause then you got Cunliffe who can come in, spread the floor, knock down some threes off the bench. We have Marcus Garrett who can come in. So I expect that to be more commonplace than sort of, uh, I guess a sexy option for self really sort of be the option. We're going to have no shortage of guard scoring for the second year in a mm-hmm. row. Can these two young guys, Yudoka and Billy Preston, can they show the maturity to come out and give us what we need? A lot of rebounding, a lot of passing back to the guards, maybe go stretches without, you know, volume shots, you know, or will these guys, will that get in their head that we don't need them to be the scorers? I think it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how it shapes up. Um, it's going to be quite a while till we get into Big 12 play. You know, we have the Champions Classic coming up tomorrow. I'm super excited for that. We'll preview that in just a moment. Uh, Big 12 play comes a little later, later, but we wanted to touch upon this preview. I was reading an article. The article that I saw for the Big 12 preview is from Sports Illustrated. I saw the projections through there. So that may vary a little bit if you... Um, as a listener, we're reading a different preview. But what I saw was that KU selected to finish first by just one game over West Virginia. But it's supposed to be an outright title. Uh, it's going to be, I believe, is it our 13th or 14th straight? 14th. 14th? We're going for John yep. to beat the record. We've tied John Wooden. Mm-hmm. This is the year we. This is the year we uh, would get the record. Uh, knock on wood. So right. another another big uh, accomplishment. Uh, in fact, another legend, a, 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 a certifiably legendary accomplishment on the line for Bill Self. Yeah, and I think that it's going to be simpler than what they read about. I don't want to jinx it. I'm going to knock on some wood right now. But I do think that it's going to be a little easier than 12 and 6 because I think the Big 12, you know, the issue here is that in this preview is that they show us dropping from 6 and 2 in conference play last year to going 12 and 6. That's a significant drop. So obviously they think that KU is not going to be as strong as a, of a team as last year. Well, we've seen the depth. We know it's there. We know the coaching's there. We know the experience is there. So to drop, you know, four games like that is something that I don't necessarily see as realistic when the rest of the Big 12 is not necessarily as good. I think West Virginia's worse. Oklahoma's going to be as bad as usual. The only t- Baylor is going to be worse than usual, I think. The only team that's going to be better than usual is perhaps TCU. I see KU having just a fine season being able to win the big 12 outright without much of a hassle at all uh we'll see how that goes like i said i don't want to jinx it but we're just so deep with so many good players and such experience something would have to go really really wrong uh for that for that to happen we've already seen west virginia get 
blown out. I believe it was by Texas A&M, 25-ranked Texas A&M. So it's yeah. not like they lost to a bad team, um, even though A&M was going through some suspensions at the time. But they got they got beat pretty handily, uh, kind of blown out. So I think the rest of the Big 12 is regressing even more than KU, and then we should be able to wrap up this season. And, um, you know, it not really necessarily go for a 14, Pete, but where does it stop? You know, when does it end? We've got good recruits. Bill Self's looking like he's going to keep bringing people in. Uh, are we going to get to 20? 30? <laughs> Man, you're a crazy way ahead of yourself, but uh, sometimes it's tempting. Yeah, to follow up on your thoughts, I mean, I'm pretty hey, much in hey, line. Hey, Jason. What? Jason, I never get ahead of myself. <laughs> There's a dad joke for you. There is a dad joke. Uh, you beat all mine. Yeah, no, I just want to say real quick, I, I think we, we know what's coming with West Virginia. West Virginia has, has has had really nice teams in the last, and we're probably going to lose in Morgantown again. It's it's happened many years uh, in a row, I believe, at this point. Okay, whatever. Um, but the thing is, they haven't proven that they can finish in the Big 12 season. So that's on them. Um, you know, they, they come out hot early starts and, uh, and threaten KU, but seem to fall apart late in the Big 12 season. I think the big surprises are, I've, I've followed ESPN BPI. Worth noting, uh, the Big 12 is the number one uh, BPI conference again uh, preseason for whatever that's worth. But the big, uh, as you mentioned, but OU and T, think about OU and TCU. I mean, this was like the bottom end of the Big 12 uh, last year. TCU looking more promising. Not not OU, or not, not TCU, but OU was at the very bottom. Now they get a really high uh, recruit who they out-recruited KU for, Trey Young. So uh, they're predicted for a big boost. Will that come to fruition? Big fall-offs expected for Iowa State. Uh, Oklahoma State loses their coach. Uh, K State will probably be tough as always. Just that's kind of my across the board what I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I I just don't necessarily see this one guy for OU being able to propel them that much higher. You know, even a team like K State that has some of these experienced guys who have been there for a while, I think would be able to beat a team with just one super good freshman. You know, it's not like they're bringing in the recruiting class that Mizzou has and the conference that Mizzou has to have this sort of flip that Mizzou is projected to have. So it's not necessarily a flip, but, you know, to be projected to finish fifth in the Big 12 is not small. Uh, The one thing is I see TCU being better than where they're projected, you know, being tied for third at 10 and 8. I could see TCU giving West Virginia a run for their money and potentially finishing as runner-up in the Big 12. That'll be interesting. Uh, TCU has a pretty good squad and they've got... Um, a really good center power forward, uh, sort of four or five. I think he's maybe seven foot one who's returning that should have a big impact for them and gets is kind of underrated nationally. So I think TCU could make more of a run and KU should be just fine up top. All right, man. Uh, we'll get a lot more into that uh, come especially Christmas break time. But now uh, let's let's have a strong finish of what we're excited for tonight's tomorrow night's huge doubleheader. KU playing the late game at 8:30. Uh, you know, I by whatever rankings, uh, I think they're both all hovering right around the top five, if not at least three of them in it. Number four KU versus number five Kentucky at 8:30. Prior, uh, extremely exciting game. Uh, your family's Michigan State Spartans. Uh, versus the Duke Blue Devils. So uh, a lot of fun. Uh, Michigan State uh, right around number two. Yeah, Duke again number one with big recruits uh, adding to Grayson Allen. Miles Bridges, one of the huge college basketball off seasons. I mean, surely uh, an NBA lottery pick comes back to Michigan State for his sophomore season. So uh, that's going to be awesome. Uh, any thoughts on that matchup? Oh, yeah. I'm, I've been looking forward to this matchup for months because – you know, months ago over the summer, they released the information that the Duke was the projected team, you know, number one team. And and we knew, you know, last year we were sitting here talking before the Michigan State KU matchup in the second round of the tournament last year. Michigan State was going to face off against this Miami team. Miami was a couple point favorite, um, picked slightly higher to win. We didn't know how that was going to go. Our preview was kind of lame, like what's going to happen. And I wasn't that confident that Michigan State was going to win. And then we saw four freshmen start together under Tom Izzo last year in the NCAA tournament destroy Miami in the first round. And they looked like a really good team. Like they had actually come together over the course of that season as these four freshmen. So they returned all of them because they weren't expecting to return Miles Bridges, who is a consensus uh, preseason player of the year. And so it's going to, I've been really looking forward to this because I think the experience that Michigan State has, they're going to come out and play this young, but talented, overwhelmingly talented, but young Duke team. 
and it's going to be really interesting to see. My hope is that, or my prediction there is that Michigan State comes out um, with more experience than Duke and kind of overwhelms them. Uh, the interesting storyline for Duke this season, I think, when we look at it overall, um, is Grayson Allen's coming in for a senior year. So I sort of, I definitely don't like Grayson Allen. I don't think anybody that does, is not a Duke fan likes Grayson Allen. Uh, but maybe he comes back with some maturity, leads his team, you know, really nice. I don't see that, personally. I personally think that he, he uh, his dirty play is embedded into him. and It's something he learned in his youth as a basketball player. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting storyline to see if Grayson Allen can keep his cool all season or if he gets suspended multiple times. Um, what do you kind of think about Duke's number one outlook? Uh, for the season and and Grayson Allen in general. I think we saw <laughs> I think we saw this story last year. Remember they were an extremely high team hype team last year. So mm-hmm. I'm 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 reserved on having any any worries about them. I think Grayson right. Allen's been extremely coddled his whole career. I think there are examples of guys who never got the second chances like him. So I'm tired of hearing about him. He can prove it mm-hmm. uh, if if he wants that. Uh, yeah, I'm ready to move on. Let's talk about. Uh, <laughs> Let's, let's talk about our number four Kansas Jayhawks in the late game versus Kentucky. You know, uh, we what we have a two two year winning streak on Kentucky, a team we play regularly now. We've played at different times. Our last two years were um, later in the season. Uh, last year was a thrilling game and a game we looked outmatched early. And then our senior leadership uh, came through later, and that was later season. There was the overtime game the year before. So here we bring our experience uh, with our. Uh, with our nice talent against another uh, five freshman starting lineup, a totally rebuilt Kentucky team. Uh, looking a little bit in Kentucky, uh, they've definitely had a shaky start to their season. Uh, they played Vermont and, um, gosh, UVU, I can't even remember, uh, let's say a small school. And they've played, oh, Utah Valley. Okay, Utah Valley and Vermont, and they played two close games, a four-point game and a ten-point game. Um, a lot of turnovers, uh, no uh, runaway scores on their team. Uh, I think they're led by uh, Kevin Knox and Hamadou Diallo. So a shaky start. Although, of course, I think a, a team this high talent uh, with this kind of coach, um, I think they're ready to rise to the occasion. I think, of course, they're not a team to overlook. You know, this is one of the biggest spotlight games of the year, especially the early year non-tournament. A lot of fun, all the media hype. And um, I expect Kentucky to rise to the occasion. Um, I imagine they probably have length that will really bother us. And um, but I'm looking to forward to seeing how our guards uh, uh, should outmatch them, even if the talent, uh, you know, you might have some, uh, you know, NBA lottery picks in their backcourt. Yeah, you might. Uh, apparently, when I've I've been reading quite a bit about the overall college season previews, you know, so these are that's why you know more know more about Michigan State and Duke and Kentucky and Arizona is included in there as well. And and what I learned about Kentucky so far is that they seem to be. Um, week this year under Calipari. So one thing that they pointed out, I saw the statistic that said, you know, Kentucky perennially shoots pretty bad from three under Calipari, like, you know, well below 40%. But what they would do in like 2014 with, they had this monster team. They shot, I think, close to maybe below 30%, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Might've been a little higher as a team, but they had the highest rate of offensive rebounding efficiency in the entire country by a lot because they were so long. And what the thing is, the difference between this Kentucky team from those teams is that they apparently don't have that length necessarily inside. So I, I, they may very well be over projected or, or overrated by a lot as a number five ranking, um, just based on what other people are saying about them. And also these first two games that we saw, Utah Valley ended up being the 10 point victory and Vermont was the four point victory for Kentucky, but they flip flop. Utah Valley was actually ahead of Kentucky by nine points at half at Kentucky and Vermont was closer um, or was by down by more at half and then kind of came closer at the end. So, you know, Utah Valley actually had a better chance of beating Kentucky at in their place. So I think KU will do just fine. I expect KU to come out and be the more mature, composed team. I don't expect Kentucky to – I expect this to be the easiest of the last three matchups that we've seen KU play Kentucky. Um, if anything, this could be a year where Kentucky drops at the beginning of the year and sort of comes together under Calipari throughout the year because I just don't see them – being a number five right now at all. <clears throat> Bold predictions? Um, I think that 
My bold prediction is that both Michigan State and KU win by double digits. I think I don't this, know. I think this who's is going to win by more. <laughs> I think this is a, a under five point decided game. KU and Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. Kyle's um, a good coach. I respect him. I'll take the opposite hot take. And uh, we, we've been running away and, and doing good, uh, but we'll see. I think uh, it'll be interesting. I, I'll be glad to be wrong. Uh, I'll tell you that. Hey, have, but, you uh, been, have you been to the – or do you recall what the crowd's like up in Chicago for this KU-Kentucky? Does I know that K, KU gets a ton of love in Chicago. Does Kentucky get much uh, in Chicago they, for this championship? You know, they, they show out, so I've gotten to go to these in the past. Uh, I got a little guy this year, and it's lame to say I'm not going to be able to get down there. I, I've gone to the last two in Chicago. And, I mean, so it's, 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 a, it's a wild atmosphere with a lot of hype. Uh, you got Duke, Michigan State fans filling the house uh, – uh, it of course it can't uh, it, it doesn't get the noise of the other arenas but there's I, I'd say there's 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 a nice point often in the se- in the first half of the second game when the Duke and Michigan State fans or the other two schools teams their fans haven't quite left because they peter out if they get bored and kind of just mm-hmm. you just a lot of like hype and you get to talk to your neighbor next to you if people are are friendly and you know uh, there's there's begrudging respect on all ends but uh, um, so Kentucky's fans do show out and, uh, and they do make noise. It's, it's not, uh, that far a drive, uh, closer than even Kansas, especially going to Chicago. So, um, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to actually getting a chance to see what Chicago is like from TV. As weird as that sounds, I haven't gotten to see the United center games from, from the TV side. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. 6 PM is going to be kind of an early start, but I'm going to be, Ready. I've been looking. I love the Champions Classic every year, man. I count down for a few months to it. I love the chance to get to watch two of my favorite teams play to start off the college basketball season. Um, It's no matter who they play, whether it's each other or Duke or Kentucky, it's just a great experience, man. I love college basketball. Looking forward to another season with with my co-host here uh, discussing Kansas basketball. For sure. Yeah, uh, it's nice to knock the rust off, get Bleed Crimson and Blue back on the air and uh, and back. And, uh, yeah, uh, we got a lot of fun. Uh, we don't have an exact schedule out, but, you know, we're going to try and review the hottest events, uh, the key games, um, and come Big 12 play, uh, hopefully get dialed in and, and, and bring something uh, regular. Um, if, uh, if you're probably a viewer who heard a little bit of us last season, but if you weren't, I mean, we really geared everything. We started a little late in the season everything was for the tournament and i think i can speak for garrett we had such a fun time we really like to bring a lot extra we read everything uh we did a little bit of our own stat work with uh using you know stats you can find but bpi stuff and using it to make predictions and predict smarter brackets and uh while the oregon loss was crushing uh we had just a ton of fun on the way yep yep looking forward to it thanks for signing in everybody all right, cool, man. I think that's a, that's a good time for us to get out of here. So this is uh, the Season 2, Episode 1 of the Bleed Crimson and Blue podcast, and we out. Peace.